and welcome to Hear and Know, a new podcast presented by Hill and Knowlton Strategies, a global communications agency with a simple goal to drive growth, build reputation and protect against risk. And welcome to this, our first mini-series, Should Robots Own Rights, where I'm going to be talking about artificial intelligence and intellectual property. My name is Emma Pike. In the first episode, I was talking about copyright. Today, in this second episode, I'm focusing on patents. Now, I'm delighted to welcome my guest today, Professor Ryan Abbott, who is a professor of law and health sciences at the University of Surrey and author of a book, The Reasonable Robot, Artificial Intelligence and the Law. And last year, he filed a series of patent applications all across the world that named for the very first time an AI system called Dabus as inventor. Hello, Ryan. Hi, Emma. Thanks so much for having me here. So, Ryan, tell me, what is Dabus? Well, Dabus is the moniker given to a particular AI system developed by Dr. Stephen Thaler at Imagination Engines, Inc., which is a company based in the United States. And this AI has been the subject of decades of development. It is a neural network-based machine, which... 30 years ago had two neural networks, one which could train on data, corrupt the data, and thus output new data, and a second neural network that would evaluate what was coming out of the first network for value. In its modern incantation or um, iteration, it has thousands of neural networks which can um, represent concepts, and it can combine basic complex basic concepts into more complex one thus forming complex ideas and what did dabas invent it invented a flashing light that can help to attract human attention in an emergency situation and a beverage container based on fractal geometry like a snail shell and did dabas invent these things genuinely autonomously of the human programmers behind it Well, that's a great question, and I suppose it depends on what we mean by autonomously. So I would say this. The person who programmed the machine didn't program it to solve any particular problem and said he was surprised by the output, the value of which was obvious. And this, again, has not just been Dabas. Siemens disclosed last year that they had an AI generate a new component of a a vehicle And the engineers said, well, this was very surprising. We never expected a design like this. The patent attorneys wanted to file a patent on it. And none of the engineers would put their name on it as inventors because they said the AI did all of the work and it would be inaccurate for them to say they'd invented it. Yes, but even if it's inaccurate, most people do put the engineer's name on the patent, even if the AI actually invented it, because that's the way that you get the patent. So just tell me why you decided to file the application in the AI system's name rather than Dr. Thaler's name. Well, we realized that this was an issue that was getting commercially important for the law to solve. And the early people who reported machines inventing things said their patent attorneys just said, put your own name on it. Uh, that way things will sail through. You know, we think that is not the way to do it if someone doesn't traditionally meet inventorship criteria. And now maybe we could come up with new criteria for inventorship. You know, someone's an inventor by virtue of programming something that invents or feeding it data or 
receiving the output. Um, but that's not the law right now, and, and we don't think that's the way the law should work. So we really filed this as a legal test case to get jurisdictions to come up with laws and to have a conversation about whether and how to protect these sorts of innovations. And, and what was the response? So, so far we've filed this in about a dozen jurisdictions and they've been rejected in the US, the UK, in Europe, and in Germany. But all of those rejections are under appeal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it may not be entirely surprising, but there are plenty of laws saying that an inventor is a natural person. Mm-hmm. You know, that dates back really a very long time to before artificial intelligence. Laws made based on the assumption that only a human being could invent something, which was true back then, um, really shouldn't govern the outcome of this. If if these things shouldn't be protected as a as a policy matter, that's one thing. But if they should be, as we argue, then the law really should accommodate that. But despite these initial rejections, it has sparked a conversation. Well, I think in terms of of generating conversation, the results have been pretty phenomenal. In the UK, for example, when it was rejected, the patent office said, you know, and by the way, we are only applying the law as we interpreted it, but we should have a conversation about this and maybe the law should change. And and the high court rejection, the judge rejected it, but then said, um, you know, I would have been open-minded to an argument that Dr. Thaler was a deemed inventor, so a legally fictionalized inventor by virtue of owning the machine. And we think that may not be the best policy outcome, so we will see what happens with it. But, um, you know, that's already different than the sort of outcome you got in the United States. You know, the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, the U.K. Intellectual Property Office, and the World Intellectual Property Office are now all having requests for consultations reviews or having conversations and not just about the you know whether you can protect what people like to call now an ai generated work or invention you know but all sorts of issues around ai and ip like infringement quote unquote by ai or using copyrighted materials for training artificial intelligence i do think that rather than trying to shoehorn this phenomenon into old laws that we should take a step back think about what we want to be getting out of intellectual property law and making sure we have rules that best achieve that in light of technological advances. And it does sound as if that is required because at the moment, a person or company with an invention generated by AI, they're faced with a bit of a conundrum, really. They can either claim falsely that a human member of the team invented something, which is dishonest, if you like, and also leaves them open to legal challenge. Or they don't patent the invention, they keep it as a trade secret instead, but with the result that it never gets published and the pool of knowledge available for further innovation is just that little bit poorer. Do you think that's a sustainable state of affairs? I think it's not an optimal state of affairs. You know, some people think, again, we don't even need to protect these things, but if what we want out of a patent system is innovation, then we can get that by encouraging people to make, use, and develop inventive machines. And one way to do that is by allowing its output to be protected. And if you don't protect it, you know, as AI gets better and better and better and people don't, you know, we may come to a perverse outcome where a research organization wants to use an AI to cure COVID, but instead uses a human team that's less efficient because that's the only way they can get patent protection in industries like life sciences where patents are really critical to commercialization of new products. 
as you mentioned, there are two sorts of other solutions to this, you know, from the company's perspective, which just cares whether or not they can get a patent. One is, well, we just rely on trade secret protection. And and that probably works better in some industries than others. You know, it doesn't work in the life sciences where you have to disclose a compound to commercialize it. And once disclosed, anyone else can basically, can often make it cheaply. Um, and as for putting a person inaccurately on it, you know, I think it is not a good system that encourages people to basically perpetrate fraud on the patent office and the public. But I think a an accurate, truthful system is probably a better one for all sorts of reasons. Yes, honesty is usually best. Now, finally, I want to ask you about geopolitical dynamics in all of this. So AI and data are perceived to be heralding in a kind of new industrial revolution. And countries across the world are competing to dominate in this new arena. Are there any countries that are already granting rights in AI-generated inventions? And do you think that gives them a kind of head start in this race? I do. So the United Kingdom, for example, has had laws since 1988 that explicitly provide protection for copyright for computer-generated works. And there, where you don't have a traditional author, we legally deem the producer of the work to be the author, which is like a film producer, the person who undertakes to have the work created. I think it does provide more legal certainty. There's been really very little case law on that law, really only one case in 2006, and, and even there, that wasn't much of an issue in the case. I think, again, for a few reasons that, you know, subsistence of copyright is rarely challenged, and particularly here, where you have two people contributing to something and one feels aggrieved, you may get a lawsuit. But Dabas is never going to turn around and sue Dr. Thaler. So as a practical matter, again, much of this isn't disclosed. But, you know, as we have gone from AI writing articles that didn't make any sense that no one wanted to read to now having the Washington Post use heliograph to write hundreds of articles that appear, you know, and that people can't tell the difference between the short articles. Um, when we start having AI make a commercially important amount of creative work, and I think we are close to that, these laws are going to become a lot more important. And I think, yes, this is a signal and a regime that will help with the industrial development of AI. You know, to the extent that a few countries are in an AI arms race, I think the legal frameworks they adopt for AI protection have a critical role in that. And while these cases have really in the patent world only just gotten started, you know, patent offices and courts sadly, or for better or worse, do not move quickly. Um, I think there's going to be some significant changes in the next 10 years and already some indications from countries like Israel that don't require an inventor to be published on their applications, you know, where this sort of thing may be fine or, or India, which tends to be much more flexible and pragmatic with its legal approaches. Sure. Yeah. And also, I mean, in China, I've read about this 10 cent case where um, Tencent has a, a, an algorithm that, that writes articles. I think it's called DreamWrite. Um, and uh, a, a journalist copied one of DreamWrite's articles and Tencent sued them um, and, and won. So the court said in that particular case that copyright did subsist in Tencent's DreamWritten article, despite the fact that it was written by an AI machine. So that indicates that China is beginning to wake up to this issue potentially. 
No, quite right. And I think China, which sees itself very much at the forefront and wants to be at the forefront of AI development, will will pretty soon kind of come around on the importance of these these policies. There's a division right now in China between two courts, which came out differently on this sort of matter. And you know, also interesting that China, like the U.S., has a corporate work for hire doctrine. So. In the United States, even though the U.S. Copyright Office, since at least the 70s, has prohibited protection of AI-generated works, they have allowed artificial persons in the form of companies to be legally deemed as authors and not to disclose a human author behind it. And that has a, a shortened, maybe, term of copyright protection. So that sort of system is really not so outside of the box for protecting AI-generated works. Excellent. So my very final question is, do you think the World Intellectual Property Organization needs, I know they've got a consultation running already, do you think it would be useful to have a global framework around this matter? Well, yes. And I think the World Intellectual Property Organization has been doing a really terrific job of of bringing these issues to the fore and discussing them. And I, I do think it is a, a framework that shouldn't be rushed into. Different jurisdictions have different interests here. But, you know, there is kind of key geopolitical and international trade implications to this, particularly if you have some countries, say China, the UK, and the US, that are really outputting a lot of AI-generated innovation and other jurisdictions that aren't protecting it. You know, some people may think that's fine. Some people may not. But whether you can get, you know, or in our cases, um, you know, it may, it will probably be the case if I had to guess that 10 years from now, we get a patent in some jurisdictions and not others. And that may not be an optimal outcome, either for promoting innovation or, or fairness for people who are investing in these technologies and developing them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, Ryan, for, very much for joining me today. Good luck with all of your patent applications and uh, do give my best wishes to Dabas. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks very much. Thank you for listening. Join me next time when I ask more experts if robots should have rights.